This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. We will be joined in just a few moments by Dr. Arnold Levinson. We are going to be talking about St. John Cantius and the upcoming hearing at the Finance Committee of Northampton City Council. Will the city approve the historic preservation funds, the CPA funds for this building? Will the church be saved? First, we have a fish wrap for you, which starts with a very sad story. Front page of the Daily Hampshire Gazette today. Dateline, Amherst Community Mourns Death of Amherst Regional High School Junior. Anna Burns, 16, suffered apparent heart attack last week at Cross Country Meet. This by Scott Mertzbach. Dateline, as I said, Amherst family, friends, and students at Amherst Regional High School are mourning the death of a junior who had been hospitalized and suffering an apparent cardiac issue during a September 13th cross-country meet. On Sunday, a message was sent to students, families, and the district's faculty and staff informing them of the death of Anna Burns, 16, a member of the class of 2024. There are not words to describe the sudden death of a 16-year-old. My heart goes out. Our hearts go out to the family, to the friends, and to the community, all those who knew and loved Anna Burns. In other news, on the front page of the Daily Hampshire Gazette today, Fiona Pounds Island amid blackout, Dateline Puerto Rico, this is an Associated Press story, Hurricane Fiona unleashed more rain on Puerto Rico on Monday, a day after the storm knocked out power and water to most of the island, and National Guard troops rescued hundreds of people who have been stranded. The governor warned that it could take days to get the lights back on, and the story goes on. Tomorrow on our show, we will be speaking with Natalia Munoz, who hopefully we'll be able to have with her and us on the show some friends or relatives or elected officials from Puerto Rico to discuss the situation. That will be, that will depend, our connection will depend on whether or not there is cell phone connection that can be made to Puerto Rico tomorrow morning. Another story I think we should note, and I'd like to thank the uh, listener who was in touch with me and said, I made a mistake, I've mentioned this once before, about the number of people who are dying daily from the coronavirus, from COVID-19. I had said I'd use the number of four or 500, but then multiplied that by per week as opposed to per day. This story is very much in the news today. I People, should mention that that listener is Jennifer Ritz Sullivan, who was the organizer of the COVID memorial event that I was a part of, that Representative Mindy Dom, that uh, Representative Natalie Blay, Lindsay Sabadosa were all part of a week ago Saturday. Yes, and I had taken the four or 500 deaths and multiplied them by a weekly, by as if they were weekly as opposed to daily. So as a, I multiplied by 50 or 52 as opposed to 365. Four or 500 deaths a day from COVID-19, from this pandemic, and President Biden has announced it is over. Well, it's not over, as the story points out and the stories in today's papers point out. It is not over for those who are losing loved ones. Four or 500 people a day. Unimaginable. Three years ago, if you said, well, four or 500 people are going to die every day from something and no one's going to really care very much. I couldn't have imagined that. I don't think most of us could have imagined that. And for context, the president said it during 60 Minutes when asked if the pandemic was over. So rather than staging a big press conference announcing the pandemic was over, not to do damage control for the president, because I still think it was irresponsible to frame it that way on national television. Uh, he did say that the pandemic was over. And what he meant by that, I think, was that many of the things that we've experienced previously. Um, shutdowns. And shutdowns, the yes. yes. Meanwhile, yes. we're all wearing masks right now. And Newman just uh, sanitized his hands while I was talking. Right. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we have audio when visual. creeps in. It's audio, still good to spread Audio visual hands. aids yeah. here in the studio. <laughs> but yes, I mean, the Drudge Report, which is a pretty conservative uh, website, has... I think the best statistics day in and day out where they give you a seven day average of both uh, cases and deaths compared year to year between 2022 and 2021. And as it stands right now, 
507 deaths yesterday in the United States uh, compared to 2012 on September 19th, 2021. So you can see these numbers right next to each other. And you can see that things are moving in a more positive direction. And yet 507 deaths yesterday from this one virus in the U.S. Right. Every week. We Every will, day. No, no. Every week we will lose as many people to as many people will die from the coronavirus as were killed in the 9-11 attacks. Other stories worthy of mention, I believe. Uh, Ken Burns's The United States and the Holocaust. It was postponed last night while PBS rebroadcast two hours of the memorial uh, for Queen Elizabeth. The story, well, quick, quick mention of the pageantry surrounding Queen Elizabeth. I was struck yesterday by how much attention is still paid to the Queen of England. Uh, I, it's, to me, remarkable that in 2022, all of this is, attention is still paid to the monarchy. I mean, who are they? What are they? Why does this matter? And it does to a lot of people. Uh, I just don't happen to be one of them. Me either. <laughs> the documentary that was postponed, the parts two and three of Ken Burns' documentary, The United States and the Holocaust, will be broadcast tonight and tomorrow night on PBS. There is a guest column in the Daily Hampshire Gazette today that takes the documentary to task, basically saying it's, well, I don't want to paraphrase it. I recommend you read it, uh, saying the documentary is really not honest in terms of how it portrays the United States' reaction to the Holocaust and makes the argument that the U.S. could have and should have done much more to save Jews in Europe, and we didn't. At least in part one of the documentary, one has the sense that it says there wasn't much more that Roosevelt could have done either politically, could have done more military militarily, but couldn't have done it politically here in the United States and does portray the enormous anti-Semitism throughout the United States as well as throughout the world. One other story, as long as we're on depressing stories, a missile attack in the Ukraine came within yards of a nuclear power plant yesterday. And it is clear that Russia's, Russian missiles can hit this plant and the potential for a nuclear catastrophe in the Ukraine remains really high. Is there any positive news you could share with us today, Monty? Wow, you put me on the spot. I'm Let's sorry. I didn't, I didn't warn oh. you. I didn't. Well, there's a bunch of, you know, we're destroying the planet, as we all know, and the uh, UN General Assembly is meeting for the first time in person in three years, and they're our major focus is uh, on uh, the climate disaster, in addition to things like the situation in Ukraine. But locally, there's uh, 10 libraries that are teaming up to talk about uh, climate issues. Uh, there is the town of Hadley getting together on Thursday to decide whether they're going to try to get to carbon neutrality by 2030. So, you know, there are some positive things. Uh, that being said, while we were talking about COVID, our, our guest host from the other week, Jeff Napolitano, uh, sent me a screen grab of the uh, the Amherst wastewater COVID graph from just like the last uh, month compared to the months before it. And if, uh, you, this is lost on you, the radio listener, but it's a relatively low pitter-patter down below and then a giant spike right now where we are uh, in this month. So, Monty, next time... I I'm sorry. And this is what I, this is what I get when I call on Monty people, to please the share. The is happening right now. People like that, I guess. Again, like the Queen of England, not a huge fan. We'll be right back. <laughs> this is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Hearing the verdict and hearing the words racial animus were extremely painful for certainly for myself and for the women and men of the Greenfield Police Department who 
really do go to work every day to serve the people of Greenfield. 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Do you know what's going on in business in Western Mass? You do if you read Business West. Find out which companies are growing, which companies are innovating. Learn about people on the move, people taking the lead. Every issue of Business West is packed with business news, including incorporations, building permits, real estate transactions, and bankruptcies. Pick up a copy or read Business West online. The vital business news is in Business West, the business journal of Western Mass. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. But I don't see wine here, Ringo. What do you got? Well, who am I? You're the spirit guy. Uh-oh. So you're taking me down the road of spirit. So our next whiskey is from High Coast. It's called Have, H-A-V, which means sea, like the ocean. Where's High Coast? Sweden. What? It's a Swedish whiskey. Have. And this one was in uh, the top whiskeys of the year list. It was number six. Wow. You're right? Swedish whiskey. I mean, I know they have really good food there because of the Swedish chef. Yeah. Naturally. Bork, bork. You have to assemble this whiskey all by yourself without any instructions. That's the <laughs> thing about it. They trap you in this big box and then they give you like just diagrams of what you're supposed to do with it. Yeah, just pictures of grains. It's whiskey from Sweden, from High Coast. And how much is this one? You can have this one for $57.99. I like what you did there. See? And that's a good price too. Find your favorite whiskey and your next favorite whiskey at State Street. Parents want the greatest opportunities for their children. Given the amount of time our children spend in school each day, parents want their child to be inspired, to be engaged, and to love going to school. At the Bement School, our students experience this every day. Bement's dedicated faculty and staff know each student well and work steadily to help each one discover their best potential. Bement's strong elementary and middle school academic programs, balanced with the daily fine arts and performing arts, as well as the physical development gained through daily gym or team sports, help students grow, learn, and become their best selves. Bement serves students in kindergarten through grade nine, Financial aid and area transportation are available to assist parents in making an independent school education possible. Bement will be the best investment you make in your child's future. Want to learn more? Contact me, Kim Laughlin, Director of Admission, or visit our website at bement.org. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We welcome back to our show Dr. Arnold Levinson, a retired orthodontist. He's lived in Northampton for many decades, I think since 1973, and for the last 27 years has lived in the neighborhood where St. John Cantius Church on Holy Street is located in downtown Northampton. There has been an enormous controversy and a lot of developments about this story. Will St. John Cantius Church, a church over a century old, a historic building in Northampton, Will it be saved? So, Arnold Levinson, help us out. Bring us up to date. Where does this story stand today? Well, first, uh, Mr. Newman, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here today and to discuss St. John Cantius and the possibility that at long last, a story which began in February of 2021 uh, can finally be resolved. O'Connell Development Group is asking for $500,000 to restore the exterior of the church. None of these monies will be going to the interior of the church where plans are for apartments. So O'Connell Development Group is limited in where they can spend this money, and that fact needs to be emphasized. In point of fact, with the acceptance of this grant from the CPA, there will be a historic preservation restriction, which means that the monies can be used strictly for exterior repair and the way and manner of this repair is under the guidelines of the Massachusetts Historic Commission. And in an attempt to make this church as historic as is possible. So let me ask you this. This story begins with O'Connell Development Corporation, the O'Connell Development Group, buying the church 
for about a million to one point six is one, my recollection. One point six million dollars, and right. it isn't. Let me. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, sir, but it isn't buying the church. They bought the whole parcel, the church, the um, and the rectory and the parish house. So it's a a large parcel, and after many months, years actually of uh, controversy about this. We've arrived at the place where there is a proposal for the church to be saved contingent on Community Preservation Act funds, $500,000 of Community Preservation Act funds being allocated to preserve or help preserve because O'Connell Development has to put in more money to preserve the exterior of the church. Is that right? That is correct. And there's a hearing tomorrow night? I believe it's tomorrow night. It's either 5 or 5.30 of the Finance Committee to discuss this issue. Finance Committee of the Northampton City Council. That's correct. How, does, how did the issue get to the Finance Committee? That's a very interesting question, and thank you for asking it. Previously, this, um, this tale began with the CBAC, the Community for uh, Preservation, the uh, CBAC for Preservation of Architecture. And that um, resulted in a, several delays. Then uh, when O'Connell Group um, pivoted to, th to the idea of saving the church, the, um, the issue went to the Historic Commission and the Historic Commission, and then to the CPC. As a matter of fact, Martha Lyon, chair of the Historic Commission, talked about this and said the church has served as a symbol of our ethnic heritage. And the CPC also agreed with Martha that this was a very important landmark, and it too voted unanimously to save the church and that the, this was proper use of CPA funds. So, I don't think there's any question about the legality of using the money to save and preserve the exterior of the church. And as I understand it, there would be $500,000 of CPA money, plus more money, from because that's an insufficient amount to preserve the exterior of the church. And so, O'Connell Development group will have to put in more money to preserve the exterior as well. That's not the whole ball of wax to, Correct. to preserve it. Okay. So this matter now is in front of the Finance Committee of the Northampton City Council. Those, those, the Finance Committee, you told me before we went on, consists of councilors Rachel Maiori, Marianne Labarge, Jim Nash, and Stan Moulton. And that hearing is tomorrow evening, Wednesday evening. I believe that's accurate. Okay. So what is the issue that the Finance Committee has to decide or the recommendation it, it has to make to the City Council? And is that the next step, yes, an up or down vote at the City Council? Um, I, I, I believe that's accurate. I, I do want to reemphasize that under the CPA guidelines, rehabilitation and restoration are allowable CPA expenses CPA expenses under historic preservation, regardless of ownership. Private ownership is not... <clears throat> excuse me. Private ownership, in and of itself, does not preclude the use of CPA funding. I, I think that's right. I, I, again, I, I'm not aware of any legal impediment to this. The question is, what's the right decision for the city? And for me... Preserving this building, which is what, a hundred and how, it, how many no, years? It, be, uh, it was built in 1912 and consecrated in 1913. And it has a long history in the city, and I think it's a really striking building and part of downtown and part of the, literally, the architecture of the city and historically very important. And it's irreplaceable. If it goes, it's obviously gone forever. And in my judgment, a $500,000 investment of CPA funds to preserve this history of Northampton is a good investment for the city. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, is how, it is how I feel. I mean, I wish O'Connell Development would just pay it and not put the city in this position. I'm wondering how you feel about that. Well, I, 
in point of fact, I agree with you. Uh, it would be nice if somebody had stepped forward and said, great, this is a wonderful building. It can be a performance uh, venue. It can be a music hall because of its high ceilings. It could be a gallery. It could be any number of, uh, of things, uh, venues. But unfortunately, that hasn't come to, come to pass. So this is a compromise. And I wish, as you do, that we weren't faced with this dilemma. And it is a dilemma. There's no question that affordable housing um, is an issue. And there's no question that the this, this city looks to affordable housing. But I do think it's important for people... Let's, let's stop there for a second, yep. because the apartments that will be development, developed in what would be the former St. John Candius Church building will be market-rate apartments. They're that, not, not going to be uh, subsidized apartments. They're correct. not going to be uh, low-income apartments or that's, affordable that's housing. That's correct. But uh, uh, thank you. But as I was about to say, I think people should also realize that O'Connell Development Group is not a, um, a one-trick pony. In point of fact, they have 112 units. Let me say that again. 112 units of affordable housing here in the city that they operate and manage. They're on Bedford Street. They're, uh, let me, thank you. There are 36, uh, 36 Bedford Terrace has 20 units, 74 State Street has six units, and 71 State Street, the um, so-called Michael's House, has 86 units. So O'Connell Development is interested in affordable housing, and that, part, and that fact should not be forgotten. That said, we have to recognize that in this development of the St. John Candias, there is not a proposal to include affordable housing. These are going to be market rate. That's correct. There is. There are going are, to be are, two. Are, let me ask you, are, they, are these going to be condominiums or are these going to be rental units? They're going to be rental units. There are going to be two two-bedroom units. One of them is going to be handicap accessible. Correct me if I'm misremembering this, but was O'Connell's original idea that they were going to raise the building entirely and That's just correct. build it from the ground up? So the compromise that O'Connell in some ways has already made is that because the community outcry to preserve the building, that they did not raise the building and that they are building it from inside these new uh, apartment buildings. So it does seem like there has been some compromise on O'Connell's, uh, their idea of what they wanted to do already, and that it is, doesn't seem out of of line to perhaps go to the community and say, can you help us maintain this? Yes, what you said is accurate. Thank you. So is the position that the city is in as a practical matter is to allocate the $500,000 of Community Preservation Act funds, which have already been collected. Their funds are there. This is not a new tax or anything like that. The 500000 is there. Obviously, it won't be used for something else if it's used for this, but the $500,000 is there. And if the city does not make this commitment of those CPA funds, then O'Connell Development will likely raise the building, tear it down, and turn there the space into apartments or condominiums anyway? Well, oh, that that possibility does exist. That was their original plan. Yes, it was. To tear that, down the building. Absolutely. That was their original plan. Um, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. The building is gone. So you, you live in the neighborhood. I, I think it would be helpful for our listeners to understand why are you so involved in this? I take you're, you're not a parishioner, or are you? No, I'm not a parishioner. Or I'm Jewish. Weren't. And, um, I, and, I, and I think back to um, folks um, like myself who listened to the church bells when they called to Mass. And the church bells echoed throughout the community, especially in my neighborhood. I think of the beautiful rose window in the front of the church. I think of the architecture, the, which is unique here in the city. I also think about what it would have been like to have been an immigrant to first come into New York and see the Statue of Liberty 
and then to travel in Northampton and to be welcomed by the community of St. John Cantius. That's a very powerful message. And I was lucky enough to attend services inside St. John Cantius. And although the funds are not going to the interior, the building is magnificent, truly one of a kind here in Northampton. As I walk past it, I just look and, and memories flood my mind of my own upbringing and thinking about travels and what was meaningful. And here in the city, this is um, St. John Cantius is actually a very important feature of the Pomeroy Terrace National Historic District. Its loss would, would severely impact that. And then going forward, I think about what does the city of Northampton value? Does it truly value its history? Those are the thoughts that go through my mind. The hearing is tomorrow evening before the Finance Committee of the City Council. Will then, there will then be a recommendation from the Finance Committee to the full City Council. And is that where the buck stops, the City Council votes up this, or down on this proposal? This, yes. Um, it would be a shame after unanimous opinions on both the Historic Commission and the CPC to, for the city to ignore those recommendations and vote this down. It would be, really be distressing. I don't think it's an easy decision for the Finance Committee for the or the Council, but I agree with you, Dr. Levinson, it would be the right decision. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all your efforts that you've made to try to preserve this building in Northampton. Thank you, Mr. Newman. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to express these concerns and these wishes. I look forward to tomorrow night's meeting. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Lawmakers are calling for federal investigations into Governor Ron DeSantis and Florida's use of taxpayers' money after he sent two charter planes full of immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Governor Charlie Baker weighed in with WCVB-TV. What I do know is that there are constantly people coming to Massachusetts with whole varieties of immigration status, and we do everything we can to help them. Baker says the problem is in Washington. really need more than anything is for the folks in Washington to get their act together. The system's busted and it needs to be fixed. Baker says Washington needs to come up with an immigration policy that's enforceable, that works, and that people understand. The Greenfield Planning Board approved the mayor's proposal to expand the industrial development zone near Route 2. The decision initiates the process of rezoning 11 parcels, which provides an area for mixed retail. The parcels will be zoned for manufacturing and industrial developments in an effort to help advance manufacturing businesses and the city's tax base. A joint public hearing will be held in the near future, and a final vote will need to be made by city council to certify the changes. Hadley Town officials are holding a public information forum this Thursday to talk about climate change. The Climate Change Committee will present a resolution and emergency declaration at a special town meeting in October, but want to include any concerns from the public. The select board chose not to adopt a resolution that called for carbon neutrality by 2030, saying they needed more public input. Mixture of sun and clouds today. A widely scattered afternoon shower is possible with a high of 70 to 74. Scattered clouds tonight, 50 to 56. Sun cloud mix tomorrow, a high of 74 to 78. I'm 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. El equipo de respuesta a emergencias comunitarias, CERT por sus siglas en inglés de la ciudad de Holyoke, ha sido activado para ayudar con los esfuerzos de socorro en Puerto Rico que han sufrido daños catastróficos por el huracán Fiona. El equipo de respuesta está compuesto por organizaciones comunitarias, funcionarios de la ciudad y voluntarios dedicados a ayudar a su comunidad durante emergencias. Actualmente, una persona propietaria de un negocio local que está en el equipo CERT está coordinando los paquetes de atención boricua. Las donaciones específicas que se necesitan 
incluyen artículos de primera necesidad como productos higiénicos y de limpieza, alimentos no perecederos y de fácil preparación o manejo, ya que actualmente la isla se encuentra sin energía eléctrica, bancos de energía, preferiblemente solares, baterías y lámparas de mano, entre otros. La Cámara de Comercio de Holyoke, que también forma parte del equipo CERT, recibirá donaciones monetarias. No se recibirá efectivo. Estos son los esfuerzos que se están realizando en el corto plazo. El equipo de CERT también ha estado discutiendo un plan de preparación sobre cómo responder cuando los migrantes se dirigen a Holyoke desde la isla y pronto estarán proporcionando más información. En otras noticias, la ciudad de Holyoke repavimentará High Street a partir de la mañana del jueves 22 de septiembre. El alcalde Joshua García pide al público que planifiquen respectivamente. El proceso seguirá varias etapas, el fresado, pavimentación y trazado de líneas. El fresado se llevará a cabo del 22 al 26 de septiembre. El tramo de High Street desde la ruta 391 hasta Essex Street estará cerrado al tránsito el jueves 22 de septiembre. El tramo de Essex a Lyman estará cerrado el viernes 23 de septiembre. Algunas secciones estarán cerradas el lunes 26 de septiembre y habrá señalizaciones de desvío. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is our monthly comedy quiz with some very funny people and a really interesting topic for you to play along with with us this morning. Let me turn the microphone over to Maddie Benjamin. Thank you, Bill. Good morning. I am Maddie Benjamin, program manager and facilitator of fun at the Happier Valley Comedy Theater and monthly nerd in residence. And this is the Happier Valley, Valley Comedy Comedy Quiz Show. Every month on the Comedy Quiz, we ask a local expert to test the wits of our quiz panelists. And this week, I'm competing with Happier Valley Comedy founder and head of happiness, Pam Victor, and WHMP's own Monty Belmonte. And finally, we are joined by our guest quiz master, Jim Young. Jim is a coach, improviser, and dad to three of the coolest kids I know, and has recently released a new book called Expansive Intimacy, How Tough Guys Defeat Burnout. Welcome, Jim. Maddie, thanks. I'm so excited to be back. Good to see you, Monty. Good to see you, Pam. Good to see you, Bill. Great. And today, Jim is going to be quizzing us on the topic of his new book, Intimacy, the Emotional Kind, which I, as a wasp, am excited to learn about. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you luck, Matt. <laughs> I might need it. <laughs> All right. We're, we'll start first with an easy one. We'll go with a true-false question. A 2019 study by the National Institutes of Health's National Center for Biotechnology Information demonstrated that women and non-binary folks are 1.3 times more capable of developing intimacy in their lives than men. True or false? See, this is a tricky one because is it it's way number, more than right. 1.3 or is this just not true at all? Yeah. So I'm going to go that it is false and that the number is actually way higher than that. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go with Monty as well. Afraid is a, is a feeling. <laughs> that could be a bonus point. Um, I'm going to go uh, with true, because women and non-binary folks encompass a whole broad range of different types of people, so maybe it is just that much. Uh, it's actually false, because I made all of that up. <laughs> it doesn't matter how we got to the correct answer. We got, we got there. We got the points. <laughs> So wait a, wait a second, uh, Pam, Pam got it right by being wrong, and she gets bonus points because she identified a feeling too, is that, do I, do I, do I have all that? Yes. I got it right first, Newman. <laughs> Vindication is a feeling. Uh, feels, sounds like Monty's a little angry that I left him. Anger is also a feeling. Okay. Coming, yes, coming from a non-WASP background, I just shout my emotions at people, and then I'm over them. Oh. Well, Monty, uh, teaser, you might have a leg up on a question later uh, on. Yes. <laughs> All right, question number two. Which of the following is a form of non-romantic intimacy that one can practice? A, intellectual intimacy. B, emotional intimacy. C, psychological intimacy. D, spiritual intimacy. Wait, there's no all of the above? I thought there was going to be an all of the above, I thought too. there was going to be an all above. I stopped listening at B. So Go only, ahead. Only, <laughs> only one of these is an actual Sorry. type of non... Which of the Which of the following is not... Oh. Oh. So intellectual, emotional, psychological, or spiritual? I, is this Pam? I, I will go with intellectual. 
Intellectual. Sorry, Maddie. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll get, I mean, I got to go with intellectual, too, because I've tried to think my way into feelings before, and it only gets you so far. <laughs> I'll go with a, a spiritual intimacy, because I don't want to think about being intimate with God. <laughs> or ghosts or, or ghosts excellent choice actually if it were Patrick Swayze I might think of it. I think that already happened in the movie I think it did too uh, the correct answer is C psychological intimacy oh, oh what so does that, does that mean? mean none of us got it right yes that's yeah. correct wow you can't have psychological intimacy what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Do you know what that means? Tell uh, us. <laughs> Listen to all the disbelievers here and express their feelings about your answer. Psychology is just about ourselves. Um, the others we can share with other people. Oh. Um, well, what about I'm crazy, you're crazy too, we're best friends. Yeah, that's the basis like that. for all that's my the friendships. That's for your life, yes. <laughs> that might be the opposite of intimacy. It's like two pole, two op- of the opposite poles, same poles. <laughs> Moving on to question three. What fixation has been deemed by multiple researchers as the primary reason men do not engage in intimacy beyond their romantic relationships? A, football. <laughs> B, beer. C, the overall appeal of the Buffalo Wild Wings franchise, hmm. or D, homophobia. Can you read? Can you read? <laughs> you snuck that, that one was in. A wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> Can you read the question one more time? Yes. What fixation has been deemed by multiple researchers as the primary reason men do not engage in intimacy beyond their romantic relationships? Okay. I'll go with homophobia. I guess I'll also go with homophobia. I will also go with homophobia, but I will take it with the side of Buffalo Wild Wings. (laughs) (laughs) And beer, and beer. You get the beer with the wings. Of course, of course. Well, obviously beer and football are part of the Buffalo Wild Wings franchise (laughs) appeal, so the correct answer was homophobia. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first gracious. time that Sadly. homophobia has ever been the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Except yes. for all the people. <laughs> Question number four. Emotional intimacy involves sharing super vulnerable feelings with another person. Name the easiest way to screw things up when someone is emotionally intimate with you. A. Laugh at them. Uh-oh. B. Change the subject. <laughs> C. Tell them that their feelings are wrong, or D, use their vulnerability against them. I thought there was going to be another all the above. Well, there's all the above. Where are they all the above? I've done all of those. and all of the above. It's 9.43 a.m., and I think I've done all of those already. (laughs) Me too. Bonus points for Pam. (laughs) Maddie is laughing at Pam's emotions now. (laughs) Well, that's that's our culture. Well, I mean, I'll have to go with... Uh, a, because uh, that's my only response to any feeling I've <laughs> ever had. <laughs> I'll go with telling them their feelings are wrong. Is that the, yeah, that, that not, was one not of the validating? Answers. Yes, correct. Yes. Well, these, none of these sound like a good thing to do to somebody when they are, uh, so I'm going to also say, what was the fourth one? Use their vulnerability against them. No, that's them. a pretty oh, bad one. That's pretty evil, so I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is any of them, so okay, you so all get a point. Yeah. That is not... Oh, take a point away from Jim. <laughs> Fair. You used our emotional vulnerability against us. Really? Pam, Pam, are you invalidating Jim's trivia questions? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. Let me change the subject. How do you feel about that, Jim? (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) It changed the subject. Ignoring, not validating my feelings. (laughs) Laughing at me. Check, check, and check. Bonus point for me. Number five. Which of the following ways of inviting intimacy into the workplace would not be appropriate for a boss to use? Uh Uh-oh. Taking notes. <laughs> a, introduce a practice of starting every meeting with 60 seconds of mindful breathing. B, create a mood meter system that lets everyone choose an emoji to convey their current emotional state to their colleagues. C, start taking people outside for walks instead of having indoor meetings. D, it's Tuesday morning, hugs all around. Oh. <laughs> Monty's going with D. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with D too. Uh, 
I think I'll have to go with D, but also I just, I appreciated Pam's immediate and visceral reaction to the concept of hugs. Don't touch me. Well, I'm relieved to hear Maddie's, uh, Maddie's answer because I don't know if you know this, but Maddie is the newest employee of Happier Valley Comedy. I, I, when, when I heard the uh, intro and the title sort of change, I, I wondered. But she yeah, is our new congratulations. Facilitator of fun. Yeah, very so The facilitator of hugs, did you say? Fun, that? fun, fun. You know, didn't hire a hugger. She hired me, so we will never hug again. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird like that. And that is also the correct answer that Pam should never hug you because she's your boss. <laughs> <laughs> Question number six. This one's uh, for you, Monty. Uh oh. As a as a radio DJ, music can be a terrific way for even the most intimacy averse among us to connect with intimacy. Which of the following is an intimacy killer when it comes to music? A. Singing to your date. <laughs> yeah. B. Writing a song about your children. C, folk music. <laughs> D, having your workmates pick a walk-up song to play when they enter the weekly staff meeting. Oh, man, I love that. <laughs> Any what, of these could the go question? awry. Any of these could go awry. And the question is what again? What's the worst thing to do? Yeah, Yeah. what's, uh, what's an intimacy killer when it comes mm. to music? I, I'd say, this is Pam, I'd say singing to someone... And, and I just say that personally, if I sing to someone, you will not like me as much. <laughs> um, I'm going with folk music. <laughs> not the dead. <laughs> I'm going to count them as folk music. They're kind of, they're kind of folk. Uh, well, uh, if uh, my parents ever wrote anything emotionally touching about me, I would never be able to go outside again. So I'll go with writing songs about your children. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as I wrote this question, the answer was clear to me that it's folk music. Yeah. That's terrible. Disagree. But I don't know. You guys have made some strong cases for singing and writing songs. So, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it up to the judge. <laughs> okay, Jim. Good quiz. Well, I'd like to point out, Jim, that you were starting this round at minus one. For, and now you're at minus two. <laughs> The I answers know. are based on Jim's opinions on things, <laughs> not on actual true there, or false or fact. And there's no right answer. <laughs> there are too many feelings in this quiz. Yeah, Intimacy totally. is subjective. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to process our feelings, and we may or may not be right back. <laughs> Minutemen football lives here. Olsen lops it. Josiah Johnson, end zone, touchdown, Massachusetts. Merriweather, daylight, end zone, touchdown, Ellis Merriweather from eight yards out. Follow the action all season long on your home for Minutemen football. The UMass Sports Network from Learfield. Touchdown, Massachusetts. Hi, this is Jessica from Fitness Together. I meet clients every day who tell me that as the number on their scale grew higher, their self-esteem dropped lower, and going to a traditional gym absolutely terrified them. Here at Fitness Together, we'll work with you one-on-one, -on -one, either virtually or in one of our private suites in Amherst or Northampton. We'll help you set and reach your fitness goals, and most importantly, smile every time you look in the mirror. Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. Your self-worth is worth Fitness Together. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful in your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. Hi guys. We'll see you practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. 
Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Downtown Sounds? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Downtown Sounds Workers Co-op, a music store with new and used instruments and lessons. Live online or live in person. First lessons free when you buy an instrument. Plus, repairs of musical instruments and equipment. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. We're now a mile and a half above the Greenfield drinking supply. There is a uh, dump that's been up here probably for many decades. So we're interested in drawing attention to this because as I said, it is a source of the Greenfield drinking supply. So this is the Whetstone Brook. It's one of the tributaries to the Connecticut River. It flows up from the hills at like Hogback and Marlboro down east until it meets the Connecticut River right in the middle of downtown Brattleboro. It's pretty heavily impacted when it gets into town here because it's an urban river. Like all of our waterways, it deserves our care and attention. The Connecticut River Conservancy's Source to Sea Cleanup is September 23rd and 24th. It's Monty. You can join me on the 24th for the Green River portion of the cleanup or find a cleanup near you by going to ctriver.org. The Northampton Radio Group's support of the Source to Sea Cleanup is made possible by UMass 5 College Credit Union and USA Waste and Recycling. Join the Source to Sea Cleanup. Sign up at ctriver.org. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our monthly comedy quiz. We turn the microphone back over to Maddie Benjamin. Thanks so much, Bill. And we are back to the comedy quiz in just a moment. But first, if you are interested in improv but are maybe feeling nervous about trying something new, uh, you can head on over to happiervalley.com where signups are currently open for the One Day Beginners Workshop Improv for Scaredy Cats Workshop uh, with Pam Victor. It's a great uh, opportunity for beginners, both scaredy cats and non-scaredy cats alike. Uh, and with that, uh, we will go back to something that scares me, uh, expressing my feelings to others. <laughs> back to the quiz master, Jim Young. Thanks, Maddie. We will kick off the open response round with this question. What famous study of human happiness has determined that among the seven happy habits that predict a long, happy life, that intimacy is the most important of them all? You want us to name the study? Yes, the study of human happiness. Um, is it the Harvard study on ha on well-being and happiness? What's your, what's your professional job title there again? <laughs> 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 well, the Harvard one is the longest-running study on happiness, but Stephen Coffey, Coffey wrote the seven effective habits or seven habits for effective people, so I'm a little torn. Whoa, we have a ringer here. By the way, I would point out that when you give the answer, it's not supposed to come as a question to the quiz master. <laughs> <laughs> We're not on Jeopardy? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> I'm going to go with the SATs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to go with uh, the happiness study conducted at Happier Valley Comedy over the last several years uh, by founder uh, and head of happiness, Pam Victor. <laughs> Guess who the new employee is <laughs> at Happier Valley Comedy? Guess who's getting a bonus? A bonus hug. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie Benjamin, head of pandering, that is incorrect. Uh, and Monty, clearly you have not taken the SATs if you thought it was about happiness. Yeah. Uh, I will give uh, Pam Victor uh, credit. It is the Harvard Study of Adult Development. Right. Uh, I knew it didn't have a That is the longest running study on happiness that has found an intimacy is the number one thing we can do to live long happy lives. And maybe I get a bonus point because Dr. Robert Waldinger is the current director of said study. That is correct. Wow. Whoa. Again, great, great. this quiz master is pandering to the, what's your title again? <laughs> great TED Talk. Who's wait, trying to be employee wait. number four? Who, who's, who's the scorekeeper here? Pam just assigning herself <laughs> extra points. I'm just trying to add up all the different points that you gave each other. <laughs> Am I still at minus two? <laughs> Looking to set the new negative record. <laughs> Uh, the Swiss philosopher and writer Alain de Botton says that intimacy is the capacity to be blank with someone and to find that it is okay with them. Monty, naked. This <laughs> <laughs> so is Swiss, but his, his name is Alain. Alain de Botton. De Botton. Uh, intimacy is the ability to be blank. Voulez-vous coucher? He's stalling. Maddie, uh, the answer is terrified. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. Vulnerable, vulnerable. Uh, the correct answer is 
rather weird. Oh. <laughs> that is the answer? Wait, this is... Or this the is answer quote, itself is weird. Quote, rather weird. This is coming from a scientist? Uh, he's a philosopher, <laughs> so... Okay. Wow. So naked counts, then. Yeah. Well, naked does does count. However, the real the real uh, uh, result of that question is that our quiz master, Jim Young, is now at minus three. Yeah. <laughs> Woo-hoo. That's a rather weird outcome. <laughs> All right, next question. Is it a real question, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Social scientists have studied a key difference between how men tend to interact with, with same-sex social partners that is different than how other genders do it. What is the shorthand that scientists have used to describe this phenomenon? Is it Buffalo Wild Wings again? <laughs> <laughs> That's a question, Monty, not an answer. I Jeopardy phrased it again, too. Uh, the fist bump. I'm going to honestly answer with bromance, which is a word that I hate. Oh, oh. I love yeah. bromance. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sweet. Um, and I'll, I'll go with um, uh, backslap. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that, too. Those are all good answers. They're close, but it's shoulder to shoulder. Oh, side hug. Oh. Yeah. Don't square up, but yeah. we, you know, side hug, side by side. I'm giving everyone a point. They're close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Um, this was the one that I teased out a little bit earlier, Monty. Name an emotion that is a more nuanced version of angry, and there are multiple correct answers for this. <laughs> Well, which one is Jim thinking of? I know. <laughs> well, it'll be on the emotion wheel. Oh, my oh! goodness gracious. Yeah, that's a lot of answers on that emotion wheel. <laughs> well, None of which I could read. Only one wedge on the emotion oh. wheel for angry. Thanks for bringing visual prompts to <laughs> the <laughs> radio show. <laughs> and is it like hangry, one of them? Uh, like hungry and angry? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, this is Pam. I'd say uh, passive aggressive. Does mm. that count? I don't know. Uh, Maddie, Sar- I'll say resentful. Oh, and I'm going to go with sarcasm. A little, you know, soupçon of sarcasm. Now we're speaking <laughs> French in this quiz. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so according to the emotion wheel that I brought in that our listeners cannot see, Maddie gets a point for resentful. Nice. Sarcasm is not listed. Nor what? You're great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks for showing me your wheel. <laughs> All right. And with that, Bill, where do we stand? <laughs> I have never been so confused, which is an emotion. It is an emotion. Therefore, I'm giving myself a point. Jim Young, you're still at minus two. I think Maddie has seven and Monty has six and Pam has seven. You figure it out because I, it's all beyond me. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for playing with us this week, Jim, and we look forward to seeing you next month on the Happier Valley Comedy Comedy Quiz Show. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Feel good. Bye. Habitat's mission to provide home ownership opportunities to low-income families is unique as it requires partner families to work alongside the many volunteers that are reaching out to help them. Each Habitat partner family provides at least 250 hours of sweat equity or physical labor toward the construction of their own home, other Habitat family homes, and special projects. We believe this shoulder-to-shoulder joint effort results not only in a better finished house, but that this shared work experience makes for a better community. If you believe everyone should have a decent place to live, that home ownership brings strength and stability to families, and that everyone deserves the opportunity for a better future, we could use your support. We're Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity. We build homes, hope, and community in both Franklin and Hampshire counties. Learn more today. Please visit us at PV Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.